This is Unfilter, episode 349 for February 15th, 2021. That what I said was that for our viewers who have not we been following all of the hours of of this trial, mm-hmm. to be clear about what you what you are speaking about. And I understand I'm speaking that about you seem the House manager's upset. failure to prove their case. That's that that's what I'm telling and you. They you weren't able to prove their the case. Acquittal. You have won the acquittal of your client. Yes, and if you'd I like did. to continue to talk about this conversation, we can have that discussion. I don't need but, to. Uh, but for me to ask a question, a, a, a slanted, a slanted question, a slanted question that was set up question. to say it's okay for them to cheat. That was your question. Isn't it okay for that. them to cheat? I didn't it's say just that. a little bit. You no. said, to be fair, it was it's only fine. a check on the Twitter. Not- That's what you said. You got to live by your words. I, uh, That's I, the problem. The media has to start living by the truth and not try to right. create a narrative. Michael Vanderveen, yep. thank you for Citizen. joining us. I, I do appreciate. Yep. Okay. Uh, I see you taking off your microphone now. That was President Trump's defense attorney. Hello, friend, and welcome in to episode 349 of the People's History Podcast. This is an episode I thought I'd have out to you a few days earlier. The Pacific Northwest was hit with a snowstorm of like a once every three to five year nature. You know what I mean? Like one of those storms are like, whoa, whoa. What did I just wake up to? That was my Saturday. I thought I'd be in the studio live streaming the final impeachment trial day. But in a way, I'm kind of glad it worked out as it did because I was able to sort of sit back, watch everything just, just to watch it, you know, not to be live, but just to watch it and process it. And I've walked away with a couple of days of thoughts and I, I think I figured out why the Democrats lost this thing. And I don't think it's getting really the proper discussion it should. And where things are going to go next, I don't think is getting much discussion either. So I'm doing just like an impromptu live stream today on Monday to get us set up. So that way we can work through this thing and figure out Trump, figure out what happened here, right? Trump's been acquitted now of his second impeachment, which is it's almost laughable to say, you guys. And I want us to understand by the end of this episode, maybe why it went the way it did. Uh, if you haven't caught the first episode, that really caught the Democrats' uh, setup, that uh, their, their case. And this episode really encapsulates the Trump team's response. And then, of course, the result and maybe where we're, where we're going to go now. I think the start of, of the day, you know, really both teams were feeling pretty good. The Democrats had a pretty solid two straight days of rolling clips that really tugged on the heartstrings and really kind of built this case of setting up the mob and then lighting the match. And that was the mantra that they had over and over again. Senator Blumenthal thought that uh, that the Republicans had probably had some of their minds changed after the Democrats' defense. This case was made so powerfully. If my colleagues listen to their conscience and rise to the moment, they will convict. I really believe if this vote were taken in secret, there would be a conviction. And I think that the facts and the law have been proven so powerfully. So facts and the law have been proven so powerfully. If there was a vote in secret, 
they would vote to convict. But I think even by the beginning of day four, um, and day four was really when Trump's team made their defense, there were signs popping up that this was probably not going to go the Democrats' way. Let's skip through that. Bring in one of the jurors who will be the one who votes. Texas Senator Ted Cruz joins us now live. Good to have you with us, Senator. Shannon, always good to be with you. Okay, so let's talk about some of the analysis. This coming from Lawrence Tribe, a well-known left-leaning law professor, says this, I've closely studied every impeachment trial in our history. No impeachment has ever been as ably prosecuted in the Senate. In no prior impeachment has a conviction been as overwhelmingly justified. Now the Senate is on trial to acquit itself. It must convict Donald J. Trump. I'm sorry, Donald what there? Um What is fun about this Lawrence Tribe tweet is that Lawrence Tribe was Ted Cruz's teacher. So what Ted Cruz knows about the Constitution was taught to him by Lawrence Tribe. And yet here are two individuals, fairly articulate, although I think Ted Cruz is an obnoxious asshat, but fairly articulate. And they interpret these events completely separately. Even the man who taught Ted Cruz. Now, what does that tell us? I'll leave that up to you. He doesn't have a vote. You do. What do you make of it so far? Well, listen, Larry Tribe is a very smart lawyer. He was my constitutional law professor uh, some years ago. But, you know, particularly in recent years, he's just become a hard partisan. And, and, and actually, his tweet there reflects the views of the Democratic House managers and the Democratic senators. The end result of this trial is obvious to every single person in the room. And this remind I want to remind you, this is while the trial is in progress. He's one of the jurors. And I think this is the fundamental issue right here. Well, actually, I think there's probably three fundamental issues. This is number one. This is a hurdle that even though they got the votes, they never truly cleared this problem in the in the minds of some Republican senators. President Trump is going to be acquitted. In order for President Trump to be convicted, it takes 67 votes. There is no chance whatsoever there will be 67 votes to convict him. All 100 senators know that. The House managers know that. Everyone in the room knows that. And and there shouldn't be the votes to convict him for one simple reason. The House managers, they have not proven their case. To prove their case, they have to demonstrate that President Trump committed a high crime or misdemeanor. That's the constitutional standard. And what they've attempted, what they've alleged in the articles of impeachment is incitement. In two days and 16 hours of presenting their case, they haven't come remotely close to demonstrating that President Trump's conduct violated the law, that it constituted incitement. They, they have spent 90 percent of their time showing really powerful images and movies of, of the January 6th terrorist attack on the Capitol. That was horrific. All 100 of us lived through that, and, and it was despicable. And every one of the violent criminals who engaged in that attack, including murdering a Capitol Hill police officer, every one of them should be fully prosecuted, should go to jail for a long, long time. They spent all their time saying it was really, really terrible. All of us agree it was a terror attack. Violence is never right. But what they haven't been able to prove is that President Trump's speech on that day was the cause, the legal cause for it, mm-hmm. that, such that it would constitute incitement. And any standard they put forth for incitement, by any measure, the rhetoric and angry language from the Democrats. So we'll come back to this, if they actually prove that. But so the first issue there, I think, is an interesting one. And we'll get down to the nuances of it. Trump's defense starts pretty p- plainly uh, on the fourth day.
begin the presentation of the case for the former president. Go ahead. Good afternoon, Senators. Mr. President. The article of impeachment now before the Senate is an unjust and blatantly unconstitutional act of political vengeance. This appalling abuse of the Constitution only further divides our nation when we should be trying to come together around shared priorities. All right, check that box. We got a pandemic to deal with people. Oh, <laughs> okay then. <laughs> and that, you know, it was essentially this common sense argument. Listen, we should be, we should know better than this. We know better than this. We have things we have to be taking care of right now. Uh, Trump's lawyer, Michael Van Veen, he cites, that's who you just heard from, he cites examples of other politicians calling for similar types of acts that Trump was calling for. See, he was trying to make the case here, and he did it somewhat successfully, but it's, it's, it depends on your view. He was trying to make the case that calling for fighting, calling calling for fighting for what you believe in, that's just political discourse now. While the Democrats are making the case, that was specifically inciting a mob to form. While the president did not engage in any language of incitement, there are numerous officials in Washington who have indeed used profoundly reckless, dangerous, and inflammatory rhetoric in recent years. The entire Democratic Party and national news media spent the last four years repeating without any evidence that the 2016 election had been hacked. Yep, Russiagate came into this. And falsely and absurdly claimed the President of the United States was a Russian spy. Speaker Pelosi herself said that the 2016 election was hijacked and that Congress has a duty to protect our democracy. She also called the president an imposter and a traitor and recently referred to her colleagues in the House as the enemy within. Moreover, many Democrat politicians endorsed and encouraged the riots that destroyed vast swaths of American cities last summer. When violent left-wing anarchists conducted a sustained assault on a federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon, Speaker Pelosi did not call it an insurrection. Instead, she called the federal law enforcement officers protecting the building stormtroopers. And he goes on to lay out this case, citing other moments, um, making the argument that the pushback around Russiagate and people like Maxine Waters calling to get in the face of Trump officials, that was an equivalency of what he was doing. And so we should just let bygones be bygones. It's what both have decided is political discourse now. What's really happening, he tries to make the case, is that it's not about speech, because he could play a clip role, and he did. There was an infamous clip role that uh, I think I might have in the overtime, and I put it up on our peer tube over at unfilter.tube. It's like just 10 plus minutes or more of Democrats calling to fight, 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 fight. You know, one of those super cut things that cuts off the context and all of that kind of stuff. 
uh, and he played that to really kind of underscore his case and then came back and said, what this is, is this is cancel culture that has moved into our chambers. It's about Democrats trying to disqualify their political opposition. It is constitutional cancel culture. Yeah. Constitutional cancel culture, he says. History will, will, will record this shameful effort as a deliberate attempt by the Democrat Party to smear, censor, and cancel not just President Trump, but the 75 million Americans. Oh, the 75 million Americans have voted for him. That was my C-SPAN cutting off on you. Lots of C-SPAN. Man, I tell you what, I watched a lot of C-SPAN recently. Trump had a few... Uh, representatives there, lawyers, Trump's other counsel, David Scohan, points out that the a lot of the evidence that was di- that was displayed, quote unquote, evidence that was displayed during the Democrats' uh, case was media reports. Now, both sides do this, but I wanted to pull this for you because this is something you and I have talked about before. It drives me crazy that these ludicrous reports that get printed by all the different news outlets about um, you know whatever uh, are then later cited as proof during these trials because these trials are political trials they are not legal trials. When there is somebody making a speech on this on the floor arguing for a new law, they can cite these bogus ass reports that are that are generally flawed. And and I'm not making specifics because it's just it's everything. It's it's. It's literally everything from Wall Street bets to technology reporting to Middle East reporting to coronavirus reporting. They have all the or cyber hacking, all these things. They all these reports. They 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 you know somebody anonymous, anonymously leaks to their favorite press outlet, and they run a story saying unnamed officials claim, and then six months later, that's used in some legal proceeding as proof. And I so I actually found it kind of refreshing. When uh, David Scohan pointed out that that's where a lot of the evidence came from was just unconfirmed reports. The frequency with which House managers relied on unproven media reports shocked me as I sat in this chamber and listened to this. And there's a lot that we don't know yet about what happened that day. According to those around him at the time, reportedly responded. Trump reportedly reports across all major media outlets. Major news networks, including Fox News, reported, reported, reportedly summoned, reportedly, reportedly not accidental. According to reports, President Trump was reportedly, who reportedly spoke to the guard. And was widely reported. Media reports, according to reports, reported, reportedly. As any trial lawyer will tell you, reportedly is a euphemism for, I have no real evidence. And I, I think this show demonstrates on a weekly basis we can't really trust most of these reports. And they're sitting there citing Fox News and MS, MSNBC and NBC and ABC and the Washington Post. Well, the Washington Post is owned by Bezos. Bezos has ginormous financial interest with the CIA. The whole thing just stinks, right? And then it's used to cite as evidence. I'm not, I'm not saying that anything really particularly about that other than it's lazy, it's it's lazy. It's not evidence. It's just simply just relying on a favored media outlet to run a story that is in the light that you want, and then you can cite it later as evidence. It, it, there's really no due process happening there. Reportedly 
is not the standard in any American setting in which any semblance of due process is afforded an accused. Reportedly, isn't even, here is some circumstantial evidence. It is exactly as reliable as, I Googled this for you. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly it, it isn't it? Uh, you know, they went and they Googled that. They Googled that and they, and they found that. Uh, <laughs> uh, he goes on this. I'll, see, I'll, I'll play out the rest of this clip. I don't know what he says next. These crazy guys. If you're worried that you might ever be tried based on this type of evidence, don't be. You get more due process than this when you fight a parking ticket. That's right. I mean, and he's kind of the under the undercurrent of that message is if if we're using a Google search results to submit as evidence, this could happen to you. Uh, here, I'll play a moment of that best of clip I was talking about of them playing Dems calling for violence. Uh, the whole thing's too long. I posted it online, but just to give you a taste of the vibe they're trying to go for while at the same time in their case, calling out the Democrats for essentially doing exactly what this clip is. That same hatred and anger has led House managers to ignore their own words and actions and set a dangerous double standard. The House managers spoke about rhetoric, about a constant drumbeat of heated language. Well, as I'm sure everyone watching expected, we need to show you some of their own words. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. What's wild here is this clip goes on for another 10 minutes. They have 10 minutes of this uh, here. I'll jump. Let's see. Let's just jump ahead by like five. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Elizabeth Warren. Now we can whimper. We can whine or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back. I'm here to fight back because we will not forget. <clears throat> we do not want to forget. We will use that vision to make sure that we fight harder, we fight tougher, and we fight more passionately for than ever. We still have a fight on our hands. Fight hard for the changes Americans are demanding. Get in the fight, to winning the fight, fight, fighting, please, fighting. We'll use every tool possible to fight for this change. We'll fight, we'll fight, to fight fighting hard, serious about fighting and fight. We gotta get on our front foot and fight back. Problems, we call them out and we fight back. I'm in this fight. I am fighting, I am fighting. Get in this fight. Get in this fight. Get in this fight. I have to say, it was a bit effective. I liked it better when they dropped the dramatic over-the-top war drums. <laughs> I was just laughing because uh, 
<laughs> I was listening to C-SPAN during one of the breaks, and a caller called in, and she was so mad about the drums. They're damn war drums! And then the C-SPAN person got all upset that they were upset. <laughs> People just were triggered by that video. I don't know. If you want to watch the whole thing, it is up on the PureTube, unfilter.tube. But... There was several things in here. They were able to make the case that, and you know, some of that uh, Elizabeth Warren stuff was literally on Trump's first day in office. It was his first day. So was that Madonna clip. That was his first full day in office. There was a protest. Um, remember the pussy hats? Uh, so there was, they were able to make the case that calling for violence has essentially become common political discourse. And what that what that did is it sort of deflated the Democrats' case that all the things Trump had said beforehand was what built the mob. Then they were able to show that a couple of tweets were in error. Um, to me, it seems likely that the staff that were assembling this had like a Photoshop template of a tweet. And, you know, the template had the check mark and the date, and they just would change the date and change the name and paste the contents of the tweet in. I don't know. That's probably the most likely scenario. I don't think it was an intentional screw-up, but they did end up submitting a couple of tweets with the wrong – either a check mark was wrong or the date was wrong, um, and that did matter in the case of the date, as well as they attributed statements to somebody who then later said, no, I didn't make those statements. So there was a couple of issues there that they were able to go after, which gave some Republicans – you know, that's, that's all the – that is – that was the only pass they needed. That was the get-out-of-jail card right there. But – Botch tweets aside, I think the stronger case was made when Trump's lawyer Bruce Castor demonstrated that the rioters were already planning the attack on the Capitol before Trump's speech. And I actually think this is a compelling piece of information. I personally think Trump absolutely made the problem worse. I think if you look back at Trump's presidency, he made every problem worse. There wasn't really a situation where Trump didn't add fuel to the fire. He often, you know, the media would take something one way, and then instead of him kind of sophisticatedly getting out and slowing it down, he would say something or throw fire on it and make things 10 times worse and let them clip it just the way they wanted. So I think Trump Trump inflamed a lot of people, and I, I think you saw that in the Antifa riots that erupted. You saw that in the number of people that came out and voted for Biden. I think what you see here is both sides had done that kind of provoking. So when you accept that, it's hard to really say that that particular speech incited the mob. I think it organized the mob, but I don't know if it incited it. And because because the Democrats' case depended on essentially establishing that it was the weeks of discourse before that event – that incited the riot, and then it was the event itself that was the primary, that lit the match, as they say. That was the key to their argument, is that that speech lit the match. Trump's team only had to say, well, look, that can't be the case, because this was highly, as as you've said yourself, and as the media has reported, this was already planned in for months ahead of time online. The point? Given the timeline of events... Oh, hold on, let me swap players here. I have a dragon player and it's being weird swapping players the point given the timeline of events the criminals at the capitol weren't there at the ellipse to even hear the president's words they were more than a mile away engaged in their pre-planned assault on this very building 
This was a pre-planned assault. Make no mistake. So that's the linchpin is, look, these guys, these guys, they were, they weren't even at the speech. They were actually staging, um, you know, they were placing bombs the night before this, this wasn't because of the speech. And that is a critical fact. Watch this. Now to the clips. Does anyone in this chamber honestly believe that but for the conduct of President Trump, that that a charge in the article of impeachment, that that attack at the Capitol would have occurred? Does anybody believe that? It was not some sort of spontaneous decision by a bunch of, quote, protesters to go up to Capitol Hill and, and storm Capitol Hill. This was all planned out. What I love about this is the media's attempt to demonstrate what a severe, sophisticated problem domestic extremism is. They gave the Trump team a counter argument. That's wild here. In their own attempt to create the new terrorism boogeyman, they 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 had to just play this to the nines. They played this up, the premeditated stuff. The FBI, who normally don't comment on ongoing investigations, released a statement saying this was clearly premeditated. Because they are all trying to get that new war machine turned around back on the citizens of the United States, and they are trying to justify that, they essentially handed the Trump administration, or the former Trump administration and his defense, this package. How much of it was, was planned? How much of this was strategized ahead of time? They are getting indications, uh, some evidence that they've seen that indicates uh, that there was some level of planning. There appears to be premeditation. FBI internal report the day before the siege warning of a violent war at the Capitol. The FBI issued a warning of a quote, war at the Capitol. The FBI warned law enforcement agencies about this specific attack. Be ready to fight. Congress needs to hear glass breaking, doors being kicked in. We developed some intelligence that a number of individuals were planning to travel to the D.C. area with intentions to cause violence. We immediately shared that information. And they pushed out that information through this JTTF structure. It was immediately disseminated through a written product and briefed through our command post operations to all levels of law enforcement. The FBI says two pipe bombs discovered near the Capitol on January 6th were placed there the night before. New video appears to show a person suspected of planting pipe bombs near the U.S. Capitol the night before. The FBI now says the bombs were planted the night before the Capitol siege between 7.30 and 8.30 p.m. They were planted the day before. All goes to the idea no, of premeditation and coordination right. among individuals. This was a planned assault of going after a castle. So to answer the question of the House manager, does anybody believe that this would have occurred but for the speech from Donald Trump? There you go, he says. There is your evidence. Now, this is part of a three-pronged attack, like I was saying. So, number one is this isn't constitutional. He's a private citizen. That is essentially the reason Mitch McConnell used. Uh, number two is this is a shaky case. The evidence has been slightly doctored. They have these clips that are purposely cut to, uh, to show Trump in the worst case. And they, they did actually have a couple of examples. I'm sparing you. But they played Trump's actual speech and what they played side by side and demonstrated that there had been the house had left out some key like go peacefully <laughs> moments um although I, again i i think it's ironic that's the of the three 
attack vectors, this is the weakest one because they did the same thing, adding that stupid music and getting select clips of Democrats. But that was part two. And then the third here is is kind of a, a selfish one. What kind of precedent are we setting? Do we want to enshrine constitutional cancel culture? This could be turned around on you someday. Ooh. It, it asks for constitutional cancel culture to take over in the United States Senate. Are we going to allow canceling and banning and silencing to be sanctioned in this body? To the Democrats who view this as a moment of opportunity, I urge you instead to look to the principles of free expression and free speech. I hope truly that the next time you are in the minority, you don't find yourself in this position. To the Republicans in this chamber, I ask when you are next in the majority, please resist what will be an overwhelming temptation to do this very same thing to the opposing party. Members of the Senate, this concludes the formal defense of the 45th President of the United States to the impeachment article filed by the House of Representatives. I understand that there is a procedure in place for questions, and we await them. Thereafter, we will close on behalf of President Trump. I, Mr. President, there's somebody telling me you got to yield your time. President, we yield the balance. And I, I, I ask unanimous consent. We take a 15-minute recess. Without objection. Which is when I tuned into the C-SPAN caller and had a good laugh. Um, so what happens next is a series of really kind of bullshit questions from each side. They really sucked. There was nothing good. It was clear. There's a couple of moments that are a little outrageous. I have those. I will save those for the overtime, though, because I want to talk about that day. So this this concluded day four. Trump's defense. That it was pretty concise compared to the two days and 16 hours that the Democrats took. And they had that three-pronged attack. And, well, I mean, the results speak for themselves. I think they probably were fairly successful. But reactions were wide and various. You have to remember, this was a five-day process. And so on day four, it was the end of the defense. Day five, we thought we'd come back, we'd see voting, and we'd have a decision. But, of course, that was all about to change. So in the moment, day four, it seemed like... Well, maybe Trump's defense did a decent job. Others thought it was preposterous. It was it was a sham. It was embarrassing. This 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 injury lawyer from Philadelphia made a fool of himself. And it was clear that the two realities were not going to merge. I just found that argument to be just uh, it was uh, like an alternative universe recitation of what was really going on in what it was like a what so like an alternative universe other look at that she sees it this is a democrat from hawaii she sees it recitation of what was really going on in that crowd and what their beliefs were what they were prepared to do you know i just thought that was interesting that her feeling was like i'm watching i'm watching a totally other another reality 
Uh, like, for example, Senator Ron Johnson, Republican, obviously, thinks that the lawyers did a great job. I, I, I think the uh, president's lawyers blew the House manager case Whoa! out of the water. They legally eviscerated them. I think their arguments, in when he, they showed the distortions of the tweets, the selective editing, showed the reason why due process is important. And they certainly proved that the First Amendment applies to political speech probably more than anything. So again, I think, I think the president's lawyers just blew the House manager case out of the water. So completely two different takes, right? One was like, I, I don't know what that was. That was a different reality. The other's, oh, they did it. such a great job. But clearly, your buddies over at CNN did not like what they saw, and they don't like that some of their clips were used either. Not the most constitutionally sophisticated argument, I think it's fair to say. Uh, neither Mr. Schoen nor Mr. Vander Veek. Dean. Bean. Vander Veen, sorry. Uh, our constitutional scholars. Vanderveen is actually a, a personal injury attorney from Philadelphia, as you heard in his voice there, uh, the accent. But um, one thing I wanted to note is I think that he, he made a couple points that probably landed okay with the audience. First, that the idea that President Trump using the word fight didn't necessarily mean go to the Capitol and commit mayhem, uh, I, I, given the context of the other times the president used the word fight in that speech. But that's as if that speech and the word fight was the only evidence exactly. against Donald Trump. And it's not. We have months and months and months of the big lie, of the election lie. And today was basically a legal demonstration of whataboutism. What about the time that this congressman said this? What about the time that this uh, losing candidate said that <laughs> it was like that on both sides. A lot of what about isms. And I guess that's the game. But if you just kind of check the temperature after day four, it was kind of obvious. Everyone saw where this was probably going. And I think that's why we had the curveball we had on day five. But to wrap up day four, I tuned in to MSNBC because I could I knew I would get a sense of how the Democrat Party was feeling based on if MSNBC was celebrating or if they were making excuses for a loss and that's exactly what they were doing you wrote a piece of the nation that I thought was spot on the, the problem is is that the jury is full of co-conspirators they'd have to as you said convict themselves of this crime the, the people, people like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz did everything that Trump did except for try to kill Mike Pence. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's like that was Graham's line. But everything else, all of the other incitement um, in the first day, the House managers brought up the video of them trying to run the Biden Harris bus off the road. And they talked about how Trump encouraged mm. that as part of his general incitement. You know who else encouraged that? Marco Rubio. Who gave a rally in Miami saying, did you yep, see what yep. they did in Texas? We love that, right? So how can Marco Rubio now turn it around and hold Trump accountable for the same actions Marco Rubio himself took? That's actually the, the, the conundrum that the Republicans are in. To convict Trump for, for doing what he did, they have to be able to look inside themselves and admit their own errors and their own mistake and their own culpability in this, in this tragedy. And Republicans react to self-reflection like my children act to react to Brussels sprouts, right? Like just, <laughs> they, they, they just won't do it. So I could tell that they were feeling like they were losing. Believe it or not, that's, that's the, so that's their strategy they play when they can tell that things aren't going to go their way. 
But CNN, they realized something here. I think they realized that media reporting was having an impact on this impeachment trial in a way we'd never seen before, because both sides were primarily just citing media references to prove their case, kind of ironically. And so after day four, kind of into the evening, CNN ran a blockbuster report. This is CNN Breaking News. Wolf, this is critical insight into Donald Trump. What we're learning speaks to his continued desire to delay and to try to prevent the election results from being counted. Now, we previously knew that there was a phone call that took place on January 6th between Trump and Kevin McCarthy, when McCarthy called Trump pleading for him to stop the rioters. I've spoken to multiple Republican members of the House who have knowledge of that call, who tell us that after Trump tried to say to Kevin, these are not my people, it's Antifa, Kevin McCarthy said to Trump, no, it's not Antifa. These are your people. And here are the new details. After he said that, Trump said to McCarthy, quote, these, quote, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. To which McCarthy responded, who the F do you think you're talking to? Uh, CNN confirmed this exchange, Wolf, with Republican Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington, who was briefed on the call directly, firsthand, by Kevin McCarthy on January 10th. The Congresswoman told us she took careful notes on the call, as she has been doing since the insurrection uh, happened and throughout the impeachment proceedings. She's been keeping really copious notes. Did you get that talking point? Really copious notes. Yeah, from my neck of the woods. How about that? So that comes out day four evening and the Democrats have a huddle before the next day. That report, that report changed the game for them. They saw it as their moment to perhaps change the direction of this trial. So the Democrats impeachment manager opens the day by announcing they would like to take a witness, which was a surprise to literally everyone. Middle of the insurrection, when House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy called the president to beg for help, President Trump responded, and I quote, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. Needless to say, this is uh, an additional critical piece of corroborating evidence, further confirming the charges before you, as well as the president's willful um, dereliction of duty and desertion of duty as commander-in-chief of the United States, his state of mind, and his further incitement of the insurrection on January 6th. For that reason, and because this is the proper time to do so under the resolution that the Senate adopted to set the rules for the trial, we would like the opportunity to subpoena Congresswoman Herrera regarding her communications with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and to subpoena her contemporaneous notes that she made regarding what President Trump told Kevin McCarthy in the middle of the insurrection. We would be prepared to proceed by Zoom deposition of an hour or less. 
just as soon as Congresswoman Herrera Butler is available and to then proceed to the next phase of the trial, including the introduction of that testimony shortly thereafter. Congresswoman Butler further stated that she hopes other witnesses to this part of the story, other patriots, as she put it, would come forward. And if that happens, we would seek the opportunity to take their depositions via Zoom also for less than an hour or to subpoena other relevant documents as well. So this was a very, very risky move. You have to appreciate the greater calculus here. And again, it gives us some appreciation why this is a political process and not a legal process. They, If they get to bring a witness or two down and they want to leave it open to bring a few more possibly, well, then that needs to be made available to Trump's team. And then Trump's team, they can maneuver to really make this sucker take forever. They could ask for 100 witnesses. They could stretch this thing out from a five-day impeachment, which is kind of the deal everybody came to, so that way Biden's 100 days aren't impacted too much. That's really what's at stake here. This could stretch it out from a five-day impeachment to a month, two months. I mean, the news after this, after this happened, the vote to accept witnesses, which was, which was voted yes, they took a recess, and the news said this could add you know, a month or two, three months to the process. And I'm sitting there watching this going, oh, my God, I want to be done with this personally. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Democrats don't want to torpedo Biden's first 100 days. So they had to, they had to figure something out. And it became clear when Trump's defense came up and said, yeah, if you want witnesses – well, we're going to call for witnesses. And they had a very fine line they had to walk. They had to pretend like they were all for this, although who the hell would they call? But they had to pretend like they were all for this while obviously making it completely unattractive to the Democrats. If they want to have witnesses, I'm going to need at least over 100 depositions, not just one. The real issue is incitement. They put put into their case over a hundred witnesses, people who have been charged with crimes by the federal government. And each one of those, they said that Mr. Trump was a co-conspirator with. That's not true, but I have the right to defend that. The only thing that I ask, if you vote for witnesses, do not handcuff me by limiting the number of witnesses that I can have. I need to do a thorough investigation that they did not do. I need to do the 911 style investigation that Nancy Pelosi called for. It should have been done already. It's a dereliction of the house manager's duty that they didn't. And now at the last minute after a stipulation had apparently been worked out, they want to go back on that. I think that's inappropriate and improper. We should close this case out today. Donald John Trump incited the erection. Yeah. And the compromise that they came to seemed to work for both parties instead of going down this route, because clearly he wanted to stretch it out as long as possible. They decided they would just do something simple and clean. Just read the statement into the record. 
Donald John Trump, by his counsel, is prepared to stipulate that if, the, if Representative Herrera Butler were to testify under oath as part of these proceedings, her testimony would be consistent with the statement she issued on February 12, 2021, and the former president's counsel is agreeable to the admission of that public statement into evidence at this time. So there you have the compromise. With that compromise out of the way, this last minute, what about bringing the witnesses is solved. The Democrats realize they're probably not going to change any Republican votes anyways, and the political risk to Biden is too high. And so they ultimately decided to compromise. Once that was resolved, things moved comparatively overall quickly, and the vote was held. And as you've now heard, Donald Trump was acquitted in his second impeachment trial. Former President Donald Trump tonight declared not guilty of the impeachment charge he incited insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. And he is hereby acquitted of the charge in said article. Seven Republican senators voting with Democrats to convict, 57 to 43, the most bipartisan Senate impeachment vote in history, but far short of the two-thirds majority needed to convict. 43 Republicans voted not guilty, including Republican leader Mitch McConnell. But McConnell still offered a blistering indictment of Trump's actions. ...that impeachment was never meant to be the final forum for American justice. President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office. The former president defiant in a statement calling the trial a witch hunt and insisting our historic, patriotic and beautiful movement to make America great again has only just begun. I do whine because I want to win. The vote coming just over a month after rioters invaded the Capitol and took the very chamber where the vote was held. Then Vice President Pence rushed to safety as he was hunted in the halls. Senators casting their votes tonight from desks that were ransacked by the rioters. After then, President Trump said he would walk to the Capitol with them. We fight. We fight like hell. I am so glad that we live streamed that night, um, and it is up on our unfiltered.tube instance, because there was ultimately violence, and perhaps even more violence than we realized at the time. But there was also just people that were just walking around, kind of never been at the Capitol before, in awe of the place, just kind of looking almost like a tourist. But ultimately, as you would expect, the vote landed as we thought it was going to <clears throat> by the end of day four. By the end of day three, when you know when the uh, Democrats had made their defense, I thought they had a pretty good case on their hands that it was going to be particularly hard for Trump's team, especially with their limited eight-day prep window and that their lead lawyer, lawyer guy was an, an injury lawyer from Philly. I, I just didn't – I thought the Democrats had probably done their best work I'd seen in probably my lifetime. But that, that three-pronged approach of responding and addressing their – uh, attack, I think, was successful. And the Democrats, they made a good case against Trump. And they may have ultimately even got what they want. They may have disqualified him from running for office politically because they just created the highlight reel that any candidate running against Trump would need for their ads. It is so easy for somebody running against Donald Trump now to make the case that he's dangerous for this country. I mean, that's what those 16 hours provided. 
is just a mountain of source material for any politician to use against Donald Trump for the rest of his life. And maybe that will be enough. Maybe. I think there's another plan, and I'll get to that. But while Donald Trump may have won, I'm not so sure his defense lawyer did. It seems that he has been personally targeted, as I suppose is not too surprising, but I have to say is a bit disappointing to see that it's gone this way. Philadelphia lawyer that came down here to argue this case. What was it like for you? What is your reaction to the way you were treated? And then a follow-up on that. How have you been treated as a result of defending the president? There are reports your house was graffitied. Um, my, uh, my home was uh, attacked. I'd rather not go into that. To answer your question, uh, my entire family, my business, my law firm are under siege right now. I, I don't really want to go into that, though. What I'd really uh, like to do is talk about um, uh, the merits of the case. They didn't have a case. That sounds rough. His business. And, and, and re- the reason why that disappoints me is, you know, you can hate Trump. You can hate anybody who works, him, works for him. But this is the way our system works. It, it, Trump gets a defense lawyer. And I don't think this guy was his first choice. So to have his home attacked where his family lives and his business under siege, um, that's really unfortunate. I think it kind of explains why he got a little little uh, grumpy towards the end. He had that uh, scene on CBS that I played for the intro clip on CBSN where he just unloads on that anchor for essentially asking what he puts as a biased question. What happened at the Capitol on January 6th is absolutely horrific. But what happened at the Capitol during this trial was uh, not too far away from that. The prosecutors in this case doctored evidence. They did not investigate this case. And when they had to come uh, to the court of the Senate to put their case on, because they hadn't done any investigation, they doctored evidence. It was absolutely shocking, I think. Uh, when uh, when we discovered it and we were able to expose it and put it out, uh, I think it turned a lot of senators. The American people should not be putting up with this. They need to look at who uh, who these House managers were uh, and look to see whether these are the folks they want representing them. It was abs- It was shocking to me. I, it is. If you're coming from a a court of law, I I, I do understand his point. To have to have evidence that has kind of been screwed with like this, tampered with, would be just devastating. Not this is not a legal case though, and it seems like some aide made a Photoshop mistake. The thing is that was weird is they never addressed it. The Democrats never explained it. Wouldn't have believed it. Uh- Let's follow up with uh, with a point that you're making right now about the House managers, as you say, doctoring evidence and uh, and the argument. They didn't, de- uh, they didn't to be deny clear for it. Our viewers, they didn't deny it. Uh, I put it in for, front of them three times. To be clear times. for our viewers, wh- what you're what you're talking about now is is a check mark. Uh, that's a verification on Twitter that that did not exist on that particular tweet. Uh, a 2020 that should have actually read 2021, um, and the selective editing, you say, of, of the tapes. Is that how, is wait, that wait, the wait, doctored wait, wait, evidence wait, 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 of what you're speaking? Wait, that's not enough for you? 
that's not enough for you? I'm, I'm, I, I, wait, wait, wait. No, sir, no, no. I'm trying. Listen, I, I am not a listen. juror in this trial. That's, what I'm trying to be all, clear for our viewers is what, you, actually, is what you're we, referring we found, to. Because no, not no, everybody no. has found, been following. It's not okay no, not everybody, to doctor sir, a little bit of evidence. Respectfully. respectfully. I have not, not said it question, is. I have not said it is okay. Ma'am, your question is I want turn. to be clear for our viewers. Listen, what I has to happen is the media has to start. I want to be clear for our viewers about what exactly you're saying when you say doctored evidence. The media has to start telling the right story in this country. The media is trying to divide this country. You are bloodthirsty for ratings. And as such, you're asking questions now that are already uh, uh, set up with a fact pattern. I can't believe you would ask me a question indicating that it's all right just to doctor a little bit of evidence. There's more stuff that we uncovered that they doctored, to be frank with you. And perhaps that will come out one day. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I'll have more for you uh, if you'd like in the overtime. Um, <laughs> that that clue's pretty easy to find. Though. He goes on. I think he was pretty upset. It ends with what I played in the intro. But I don't think Trump's really in the clear here. ABC looks at what is just down the pipe for Trump legally. In his speech after the vote to acquit, after he, in fact, voted to acquit, Mitch McConnell said Trump, and I'm quoting here, didn't get away with anything yet. So what legal consequences could Trump still face? Could there be state charges, federal charges? What do you think? Yeah, I think the state charges are more likely than federal charges. I think that uh, the, the feds are going to be a little more reluctant, a little more concerned about the political imagery, ramifications of prosecuting a former president. But the investigation in Fulton County, Georgia, about the president's efforts to overturn the election, the investigation in Manhattan over the, pre the former president's uh, finances, tax returns, etc., are very serious and should be of great concern to him. Do you think it's possible that having a not guilty outcome in the Senate trial on Saturday could in some way increase the odds that Trump ultimately faces some sort of criminal prosecution, most likely at a, at a state level? I like the grinning that this guy has. He loves that idea. He just loves it. I think the language of people like McConnell and Senator Tillis of North Carolina and others could certainly provide law enforcement officials who believe that a crime was committed but are concerned about the political ramifications, the reassurance uh, that they need that they're the ones who are supposed to take care of this. When you hear these Republican senators saying, look, this is what the criminal justice system is supposed to do, I think that can lead uh, reluctant uh, officials who might be on the fence, even though they if they believe a crime has been committed, to move forward. Let me just ask you one question about the trial itself. This is where they essentially just admit out in the open that this really came down to not trying to hurt Biden. Were you at all surprised by the fact that the House managers successfully convinced the Senate, including Republicans, to vote in favor of calling witnesses, some Republicans, I should say, but then ultimately the Democrats decided not to move ahead with witnesses. Were you surprised by that whole chain of events? Absolutely. I mean, look, that would never happen in the context of a trial, right? Witnesses who could actually help your case and we're going to decide not to call them. It shows you the difference between a trial and an impeachment, which is a political proceeding. Uh, uh, Raskin had to take into consideration the political ramifications of calling witnesses. What does it mean to extend the trial? What does this mean uh, for the Biden administration? Come on, man. 
And so I think that they had an opportunity here. Many people thought they should have moved forward with it, but it is not a simple equation of would those witnesses have helped. There is that enormous political equation as well. Yeah, it kind of turns out the entire thing was a political equation, as it turns out. But CNN, they kind of laugh and joke about the potential legal issues that are facing Trump. And they also think I get a little bit of glee out of what could be facing Giuliani. This morning, the former president faces a range of potential criminal and civil investigations. Look at this. It fills up the screen. The guy actually laughs. They're actually all kind of laughing. What about Rudy Giuliani here, Ellie? Uh, Is he going to get pulled in? Yeah, Erica, anytime the president's in trouble, you can bet Rudy Giuliani's one step behind. In fact, some of the things Rudy Giuliani said are completely untrue, have been completely debunked. He said there was over 10,000 people, dead people who voted. In fact, Georgia officials looked at that. The actual number was two. The problem for Rudy is it is a crime to lie to the Georgia state legislature. You can say whatever you want in the parking lot of the Four Seasons Total Landscaping, but it is a crime to lie when you're testifying in front of an official body. Ellie, if your second book was titled The Problem for Rudy, dot, 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 it would be a long, long book at this point. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep a lid on the number of pages. That, that's too much. <laughs> All right, Ellie Honig, thank you very much for helping us understand the specific legal challenges facing the forum. Oh, 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 oh. oh, yeah, that's great. Well, that's clearly where it's going now, isn't it? I wouldn't be surprised if part of it is the idea to drain his war chest so he doesn't have the capital run for president. Of course, in the meantime, Trump says he's planning to make interviews and use supposedly $30 million or something like that that they have in some fund to strategically finance certain Republicans that demonstrate loyalty. So they didn't really get they didn't knock him out with this one, but we'll see. We'll see if he's too untouchable. He does have the reputation of being Teflon Don. Well, that is sort of a one-topic show, but I thought we should go through this so we all kind of have a working blow-by-blow of what happened. Really, this episode and last episode together kind of make a complete piece on this. And hopefully with that, we go back to following the news that changes the universe each week. Get this show at unfilter.show slash subscribe. Please support this show at patreon.com slash unfilter and join our Discord community while it's still there at unfilter.show slash discord. In the overtime, I'll play a clip for you why I think uh, maybe maybe this, sh- maybe this Discord won't be around for too much longer. We may be in danger, boys. If you want more show, check out the overtime. That's over at unfilter.tube. And I also have it linked in the show notes along with links to a lot more that I talked about today at unfilter.show slash 349. Turns out there's a lot there, huh? Thanks for joining me if you made it live for this rando Monday stream probably be back to the regular time soon but just check it out at unfilter.tube see you next week Donald John Trump incited the erection of